Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. Do you want to experience what it's like to be part of our Entrepreneurial League community of founders? Now is your chance. New member open enrollment begins on June 10th, and so does our Experience Week. I really want you to have the opportunity to experience what it's like to be part of the most supportive community that will be here to support you at all stages of your business journey during our Experience Week. This will be a five-day virtual event series, and it starts on Monday, June 10th through Friday, June 14th. You're going to get access to live networking and learning events, business growth strategies, as well as office hours with Kim Perel, who is a CEO and serial entrepreneurista, as well as a prominent angel investor. You will also get access to a session on how to win grants with Kat Weaver and Katie Dunn, founders of Power to Pitch. Plus, our mentor, Carrie Kirpin, will be teaching a session all about how to build a profitable business that can sell for more money. And of course, I'll be hosting two info and networking sessions where you can really get an inside look at all of the exclusive benefits and resources that are offered only inside of our Entrepreneurs League community. Plus, you'll have the chance to meet and build relationships with current members. You can register today for Experience Week over at entrepreneurs.com forward slash experience week. That's entrepreneurs.com forward slash experience week to join us for a week of free virtual events. I cannot wait to meet you and be part of your business journey. This day and age, it's like, oh, the startup and this and that. And it's like everyone has to create this new idea. And what I'm doing is I'm creating new ideas on a really, really solid foundation. We as a culture have to realize that, you know, you can be an entrepreneur in an existing business. As long as the values are aligned, you have short-term and long-term goals, there's a focus and you have an awesome team, you can really accomplish anything. Family is everything. And in the case of mother-daughter team, Eileen and Ann Huntington and their company Huntington Learning Center, which has helped expand the academic skills with individualized tutoring services and test prep for countless children for more than 42 years. Their business is a true labor of love. Coming up, you'll hear from the mom and CEO Eileen and daughter and president Ann on how leaving a teaching job led to creating a company and ultimately an industry, as well as the differences for Eileen on being an entrepreneur in the late 70s versus today, including how marketing has completely changed, what Anne's biggest mistake was in the business, and what she learned from it, important insights and focus, and staying true to the DNA of one's company, and the joy of joining a family business and the importance of boundaries that allow efficient collaboration at work and a loving family at home. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Eileen, you founded Huntington Learning Center in 1977 with your husband. What made you start this business? In looking at starting the business, we were in our 20s. <laughs> and, you know, you think about starting a business and you're like, in your 20s, you really don't know what you're doing. But we had the idea of 
taking control of our own destiny. I was working as a high school history teacher. My husband was working in business research. Um, He has a PhD in statistics. So we looked at ourselves and said, you know, what could we do? And I really saw a problem. And the problem I saw was the fact that students in school that I was teaching really had difficulty, really had difficulty understanding how to read, answer the questions at the end of the chapter. And I said, wow. And I saw this not only in suburban school districts, but I also saw this when I worked in in New York City. So there was this whole area that was really missing. And, you know, there were no learning centers at the time. I mean, we really created an industry. When I look back on it, it's just so exciting to see, like, wow, the number of lives we have changed over the years. So as an entrepreneur, if you see a problem and you understand a solution and you're passionate about it, I say just go for it. I love that advice. Can you share what your first step was? So you have this idea. You're like, we're going to create these first learning centers. What did you do next? My background is in education. And, you know, I also have a background in reading. So it was, okay, what are we going to put together? How are we going to tutor these children? And what we looked at is starting a diagnostic approach, a diagnostic prescriptive approach. So what that meant is let's test the child, find out where the problem started, and go back and fill that in. It wasn't tutoring the child for the test for the next day because that didn't work. Yes, they could pass the test the next day, but then they needed help for the next one and the next one. We looked at it as, you know, if you teach a person to fish, they can eat for the rest of their life. And that's what we're all about. So we had a diagnostic prescriptive approach where we tested and set up an individualized program for each child. So everybody doesn't have the same program. And that's what works. Did you open up a location right away? We opened up a location right away. We went out and spent a whole bunch of money, uh, which we didn't have at the time. And, you know, we placed some ads in the newspapers. And guess what? People called. All right. So we had people calling. I was setting up testings. I hadn't resigned my position yet. We opened in June. I was going to ask about that. When did you guys quit your jobs? (laughs) We opened in June. And believe it or not, by August, we knew we had a successful business. Well, we thought we did. So at that point, I resigned my position from teaching. Ray continued to work until the next year uh, until we made sure we went through the seasons because, you know, the summer, maybe the summer was just a fluke. We didn't know. You have to look at a business. How does a business progress through a year? What's the ups and downs of the the business cycle? So it started right away, and it's been a wonderful experience ever since. Where was the first location? The first location was in Oradell, New Jersey, where our headquarters is today. And one of the things, you know, we opened one center one year. The next year, we opened another center. And by 1985, we had 18 centers in the New York metro area, you know, during the corridor. And at that point in time, we said, wow, you know, we're a pretty successful regional business. We know how to train these people. You know, it's really going. We have our advertising down. And, you know, we said to ourselves, this was a big, this was a big, big decision. And as you're an entrepreneur, you, you hit different levels of your business. And we decided to franchise in 1985. 
And Anne, you grew up in this business, so you watched your parents really start and continue to grow this business. So you were born into a family of entrepreneurs. What was that like for you? Well, I I joke, but it's not really a joke. I'm center number 17. (laughs) And it is true. They either had a child or they opened a business, which was great. I have a brother. He's he's not active in the business. What center was he? Oh, well, oh, gosh. I guess he's about center 13 or so. I'm 17. Uh, So growing up in the business of entrepreneurs is so exciting. That's what I know. I know business is is business, and, and but entrepreneurs, it's not just nine to five. It's twenty four seven. I will credit my parents though because they created such a fostering environment as a child, and then now being in the business day to day. Yes, they're my parents, but at work they're Eileen and Ray. Uh, so this is what I know, and it's definitely in in my blood. And yes, I am sev- number seventeen. <laughs> uh, I also went through the whole system. I know it works. I was in the marketing campaigns, quintessential nineties fabulous. And now actually I'm in the campaigns quintessential today, uh, but I'm no longer the student. I'm the teacher in those marketing campaigns. But going through the programs, seeing how it works, meeting all the franchisees who are across the country who now have their children as uh, running their centers, seeing that not only are we impacting students across this country, we're impacting entrepreneurs who want to go into business for themselves, but not by themselves. That's the slogan within franchise. So it's so exciting, and I'm really, really thrilled that I have parents who have created this, and I'm thrilled that I have the grit and the persistence to to take us to that next level. Did you know growing up that you wanted to be a part of the, the business as your profession? That's, that's, that's a really tough question, Courtney, because it's I was a student. I was in marketing. It was really important to get experience outside of the business. So I actually had a career for about a decade in a totally different industry, which was extremely important for me so that to make sure that I had my own voice and my own career outside of the quote unquote family business. But at the end of the day, our ethos is to help individuals to help students. And Huntington Learning Center is a mission-driven company. Our mission is to give every student the best education possible. And that is incredible. So being able to impact students and families across this country, there's nothing better than that. So it's a hard question to answer, did I know? I, I know that Huntington's in my blood and in my DNA because I am my parents' child and that <laughs> if I see a problem, I'm going to solve it and I'm going to do it with a smile and I'm going to make sure that we are helping and we're being as positive as possible. So I guess that, no, I don't guess. I know the answer is yes, I did know in what capacity uh, because you can be a family business and not be active in it, but it's truly seeing what Ray and Eileen, again at work, they're Ray and Eileen, my parents have built, and I've seen the ups and downs as a child. You know, you have to make sure that the salaries go out. You have to make sure that the marketing goes out. Even if the world, you know, during the Great Recession in the 2008, you have to 
as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you have the livelihood of your own family, but families across the country. And you have to make sure that there's integrity, that there's ethics, and that you're continuing to strive towards the mission and towards the company. So it's larger than me. It's larger than a family business. It's about the mission and ensuring that that integrity and the core values of the company continue. And that's a huge, huge undertaking, but I say bring it on. (laughs) I love that. Can you share more about some of the challenges in the early days and how you were able to overcome them as a new entrepreneur? I think in the early days, again, we started in our 20s. Um, we really didn't have any business advisors. I mean, that's one of the, the things if I look back on, one of our biggest mistakes was not having advisors. The good thing is we had each other. Mm-hmm. That can be good or bad <laughs> <laughs> when you're working with your husband. We figured that out, though. So having each other was really good. But if we did have a business advisor or, or different mentors, because we didn't have any business background ourselves, mm-hmm. okay, our, our parents were people who grew up in the Depression and really didn't have that business experience to give us. If we had had a business advisor, we would have been able to do it faster, better. And that's what I think entrepreneurs today really have to look at. Mentors are good. Getting feedback from people is good. Maybe you're not going to like the feedback, but the feedback is, is really good. So looking back, I think that was was a, an area that we could have really uh, used help in. However, because, and, and Ann pointed out before, because of grit, you just, as a, as, a, as a business owner, you say, we're making this work. Let's just keep forwarding ahead and seeing how, how this works. What do you think you would have done differently if you had a business advisor or a mentor in the early days? I think a business advisor would have been able to help us look in, at the at the business aspect of it, saying, you know, in, in moving into a market, is it the best market to move in right now? There's a lot to, to a business, especially when we were expanding across the country. You know, if you watch companies today move, they strategically move into, let's say, one state and develop a state. We didn't do that. We were like, okay, let's let's franchise. <laughs> Anyone, <yeah. laughs> um, so, you know, if you sold a center in Illinois and you sell one in California, well, they're very different to service, whereas if they are close by, then you have a region and you, and you can develop faster. And I have to ask, what is it like starting a business with your husband? What do you do if you disagree? You disagree all the time, okay? One of the key things that we learned early was job descriptions. And also we work on different sides of the building, Um, (laughs) What did you do? How did you divide? What did you do versus what did he do? I'm more the operations person, and he's more of the administrative person. Um, So today in our business, you have, you know, a lot of administration, let's say, with a franchise document. So I don't don't deal with that. That's something he deals with. But, you know, I deal with the KPIs. I deal with the making money. And we're in a lot of the same meetings, but we're also in different meetings. But when you have your job description, you know, I don't have to handle this. I have to handle that. It, it's it's really good. And as Ann pointed out, it, it really, you know, Ann grew up hearing conversations at breakfast. When you have your own business, it's a 24-7. You're always thinking about it. You don't shut it off. So there's all of that. So when you have somebody who you're married to, 
you can talk about it, but you also have to learn the balance that you have to shut it off too. It's like, okay, done. How did you learn that? Well, I will tell you the first first year we opened, we opened in June and in August, Ray said to me, we're going on vacation. I said to him, we can't go on vacation. He said, no, if we open to business and we want to take control of our lives, we're going away. Okay. Now this is 1977. No emails, no phones. Okay. It's like crazy, right? And I'll tell you, we went to Montauk. Okay, in the hotels in Montauk, they didn't have phones in the room, guys. <laughs> All right, this is 1977. I remember being on a pay phone calling uh, part-time employees we had. And it was like, and he even said at that, forget it, don't even call them. It'll be there when we go back. And guess what? It was? It was there when we went back. <laughs> so that was a big lesson to learn. So then you always, going forward, took time to take always. vacations. Always, always. Always. And was the dinner time conversation, Anne, was that always around business or? No, it wasn't. No. I mean, as Eileen said, my mom, it's important to turn off. Of course, there were conversations about this person or that person or this great thing that happened or something that maybe wasn't great, but how do you problem solve it? But a testament to them. They really were fantastic and are fantastic parents and know when to turn off. Of course, you can't just flip the switch if something happens. You have to take care of it. Uh, but dinner and breakfast, it was always, we were a family. And they're entrepreneurs. They they had to go and travel and do a lot of different things, but they always made sure that we had breakfast and dinner together as a family, as a unit. They always cared about, okay, what happened in school? What's going on? How was dance? How was tennis? Um, and made sure that we had a really strong unit as a family. Right. When I look back upon it, you know, you look back now, and sometimes you don't realize when, when, is when, you're, when you're going through it. But we did have breakfast every, t- every day together. I mean, it was before they went off to school, we had breakfast and we had dinner every night. It wasn't like two nights a week. We had dinner with them, and it was everybody had to talk about their day, you know, what went on and what was good. And the nice thing about being an entrepreneur, if you need to leave in the middle of the day to go to a school play when they're in kindergarten, you can do that. When Ann was in high school and she played tennis, we didn't miss a tennis match. We were able to, you know, leave work at 3 o'clock and go to a tennis match. And the same with our son. We were able to go to his soccer uh, his soccer matches. So it does give you flexibility as a business owner to do it. And even franchisees, it gives them the opportunity to do that too, because they all have families and they have full-time staff working for them. So it's, it's real. there are really, really good benefits to being a business owner. Coming up, important insights about focus and staying true to the DNA of one's company. Hi, Entrepreneurs. You know I am always here to provide you with as much value as possible. So I wanted to be sure that you have access to the Entrepreneurs Agenda, our weekly newsletter where we share the latest business news, success stories, grant opportunities, as well as all of our favorite resources and special offers for founders just like you. You can sign up to join our weekly newsletter and join over 50,000 other entrepreneurs over at entrepreneurs.com forward slash newsletter. That's entrepreneurs.com slash newsletter to subscribe to the Entrepreneurs Agenda. And I want to learn more about the characteristics that you acquired from your parents hearing their conversations as you grew up and how you took them into your career out after college. 
Watching and hearing my parents build an entire industry is, thinking about it, it's remarkable. What I learned was that it's really important to focus. Uh, it's really important to stay true to the DNA, to the mission of, of the company. I learned that prioritization is key. Grit is key. When someone says no, how do you make it a yes? I learned that through my parents, and I, I've brought that into all aspects of my life. I've learned that the characteristics, it, it really, to be an entrepreneur, to think outside the box, you have to be a little crazy, uh, but you also have to be humble and realize that mistakes do happen. And I've, I've seen that throughout my life, the positives and the negatives, and I think that has really built me to who I am today. I always look at a problem and I, I say, okay, how do we solve it? How do we solve it together? How do we create a collaborative environment? And even when I was in school, that's what I looked at. And if I had an issue with an assignment or an issue with friends or an issue on the court when I played tennis and in college, it's about socialization and understanding, okay, how does everyone work together? Um, if something goes great. How do we praise that? If something doesn't, how do we overcome it? And then after college, my career before Huntington, that's that's how I looked at everything. I thought, okay, well, how do we solve whatever we have to solve? And so the characteristics that I learned from my parents are that it's important to be true to who you are, and it's important to really step back and observe in order to move forward. And aside from your parents, have you had other mentors along the way? I have. I'm really, really grateful that I've had mentors when I was in school and then in my career before Huntington and now at Huntington. Especially working in a family business, it's important to have mentors who do not share the same last name. Uh, so <laughs> I, I pride myself on having advisors and mentors who are outside of Huntington to do reality checks and just to get a third party because as a parent-child relationships, you know, as when you're a kid, it's like, this is what's good. I, I'm the parent. You have to flip that. And once all of a sudden you're working with your parent, it's not a parent-child dynamic. You're partners and you have to push each other. And sometimes it's uncomfortable, but that dynamic has to shift. And, and um, I think we're good at it. Yeah, tell us about the evolution of your relationship working together now. And, you know, you've recently stepped into a new role at Huntington. Yes, I am the president of Huntington Learning Center. Congratulations. And thank you. Thank you. Uh, and it's it's an absolute honor to be to be president. And I've worked really hard to get to where I am. And I, I'm, I believe it's because I was set up for success, uh, which is key. And I've learned uh, how to grow and how to work with teams and how to disrupt. Uh, so the evolution of, of us all working together, I think um, we did it really methodically. Like I said earlier, I had a career outside of Huntington for about a decade, which was really critical and I think enabled me to build my own confidence, my own equity uh, in terms of where I see myself personally and professionally. Uh, and now the evolution, I mean, we're off to the races. I mean, 42 years young in terms <laughs> of the company and uh, the future is extremely bright. I think that how we work together is we set boundaries, we're aligned, we respect each other, we communicate really, really well, and we check each other. What advice do you have for other business owners who are working with their families as well? 
I, I think um, anybody who's working with their family there, um, especially if they're having a, a child move up into the business, they really need to go outside the business and get other experience. Because, you know, you don't want to be in a business and people think, oh, it's because of their last name. Mm-hmm. I think it's very tough for someone coming into a business, especially a child of a founder, because people are going to look and see what what can they do? What are they bringing to the table? So I, I think every single day you have to prove yourself to others and have to show, you know, what we are doing and how we are moving forward. And I think the boundaries are are real important in moving it forward. But it's just very exciting because, you know, it's 42 years and we're going through a transition and we're doing this very methodically. You know, we realize we're not going to be around for another 42 years. Yes, okay? you are. Uh, you know, so you, you have to realize you have to realize that. And so you, you need that you need the transition. And we're very, very proud of Anne's accomplishments and the fact that we can transition the business to a Huntington. Okay, it's it's really important and to see, you know, her business accomplishments in the business itself at this point in time. It's not that, okay, my name is Ann Huntington. I became president of the company. She worked in marketing. You know, there's a number of things she has done at the company. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you one of them is, you know, we started a webinars a series that that really took a couple of years to have people buy into it. And I'm not going to say it was just Ray and myself buying into it. It was, you know, others. And we have this fabulous webinar series, which is is really taken off and are helping people across the country. I mean, Ann mentioned this before, you know, one of them is on bullying, and that's a, a major problem across mm-hmm. our country with students today. And and in looking at that, you know, you, you just look at this whole webinar series as, as a great accomplishment for Huntington, but Ann was the power pushing behind it and a lot of other initiatives. So Ray and I see that we can start transitioning and have Ann take more and more roles in the company as president of the company. She has a, a significant role at this point in time. I'd like to add to that because I think the question um, is also for other family businesses, and it's really hard working with parents or siblings, and sometimes it doesn't work. And I think the first step is to be honest with yourself. And just because there is a family business does not mean it's your business. So as Eileen said, you have to work that much harder and people, you have to prove yourself. There is potential inherent nepotism. The last Mm -hmm. name's the same. What I learned is you can try and prove yourself to everyone and everyone. The first person you have to prove yourself to is yourself. So once you build that confidence and motivation, people see what you have accomplished and it takes time. What Eileen was talking about with the webinars, uh, we have this series that it's like public service announcements on particular topics, be it SAT, ACT, be it bullying. October was bullying at prevention month. And I, I had this idea a few years ago, probably four plus years ago. Uh, and unfortunately, it, it wasn't adopted at first. And I realized it was too early. And the team that was in place wasn't the right team. Um, it wasn't that next gen team. Um, and I realized that in order to get us to that next level, I have to make sure that 
the culture, the team, the atmosphere is one that is who I am. And that's taken nearly a decade to create that next-gen team. Uh, So in terms of another family business, if you're looking to get into business with a sibling or a parent or a grandparent, really check yourself. Make sure you're ready for it because maybe you're not ready for it. Maybe in five years you'll be ready for it. Maybe you need more experience outside or you decide to be in the company, then leave the company, come back. But there has to be specific roles. So Eileen and Eileen said that she and my dad, Ray, they work well together because they have specific roles. It's the same thing. You have governance. You have to know when is Eileen Eileen? When is she the CEO? When is she a fellow board member? When is she my mom? Um, and when is that, she your mom? <laughs> when is she my mom all the time? But it's important to know, and I think that that's where it's really important to have support system and have coaches and have uh, different professionals who help navigate. Because let me tell you, it's hard. But is it worth it? Yes. How do you find the right coaches and mentors? I've gone through a lot. <laughs> so obviously, you know, sometimes the first one isn't the right one. Unfortunately, like in any business, a lot of people try and and take your money and say that they have the answer. You have to know what you're looking for first and write down tangible short-term, mid-term, long-term goals. I'm extremely fortunate that I have found the right support system and it's taken, you know, really not great moments of my life for me to have that aha to find that individual. And then we as a family, we have advisors and we have different consultants who we work with to navigate the not so great waters. But it's like anything today, it looks great and shiny, but it's taken a lot to get to that great and shiny moment. Uh, But at the end of the day, the reason why we're doing what we're doing and we're thriving is because, well, first off, we love each other. We're aligned, but we get results. And that's the key. We, we wouldn't be in business 42 years if we didn't get results. And that's what's so exciting about it, that we're helping kids, we're helping families across the country, and we get to do it together. And I get to learn from my parents. I think that's one of the, the nice things about it is that Anne has built-in founders and we've been through so much over the years and, and, and know all the pitfalls. So that really helps. But, you know, Anne hit a, a real good uh, spot there on, you know, we've been in business 42 years. How do you stay in business 42 years? Okay. That in itself is a miracle if you look at statistics on business. We stay in business that long because, as Anne said, we get results. And to give you an idea of the kind of results we get, you know, we're talking about the dynamics in the business, but the results are remarkable. With students in elementary school, kindergarten through, let's say, grade 10, okay, through early high school, when we work with them, we get in 50 hours of instruction. So that's a little bit more than a work week, okay? So 50 hours, just think, 50 hours, 1.2 grade levels in reading and one grade level in math. So 2.2 grade levels, we're able to improve them. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier on the individualized program and the diagnostic prescriptive results how, how we use how we use that with children so that's remarkable and then if you look at the exam prep world um, with SAT and ACT on SAT our average increase is 229 points and in ACT our increases are 5.4 but the the most amazing thing is that 
our students on average get $71,000 in scholarship offers. So if you're a parent and it's like, okay, you come to us for tutoring, these are the results we have. We announce our results. Across the country last year, I believe it was, what was it, Ann, 181 or $184 million of scholarship offers our students got. Well, that's why we're in business for 42 years. And that's what's so amazing about it and in that that's what we get to do every day. And and I get to do it with my mom, who's my mentor, my best friend, and my dad, too. I mean, mean, we're doing the podcast together, my mom and I. I don't want to discount my father. I love my father. He's amazing. And they did it together. And now, now we're building it for that next gen, which is so awesome. And I think what's interesting is this day and age, it's like, oh, the startup and this and that. And it's like, everyone has to create this new idea. And what I'm doing is I'm creating new ideas on a really, really solid foundation. And so I think that's where we as a culture have to realize that, you know, you can be an entrepreneur in an existing business. As long as the values are aligned, you have short-term and long-term goals, there's a focus and you have an awesome team, you can really accomplish anything. My mantra is anything is possible. And I truly, truly believe that. And part of the reason why we're able to accomplish all of this is because the team is so solid and it works. Who do you look for to open franchises? Who are the right franchise owners for for the Huntington business? So the right franchise owner is someone who has the determination, has the passion, likes kids, obviously, (laughs) wants to positively impact his or her community, wants to get engaged in the community. This is not a passive business. You have to go into the schools. You have to make sure that you meet with the parents, meet with the teachers, and follow the system. So it's really an individual who will follow the system, not reinvent the wheel, and we have a proven system. Someone who likes kids, and who wants to make a positive impact in his or her life. And how are you finding these people, or how are they finding you? Well, they're going to listen to this podcast, <laughs> <course>. obviously. <laughs> uh, well, how, how we find them, we've been franchising since 85, right? So we're a reputable franchise organization. We're one of the top franchises in Entrepreneur Magazine. Through the Franchise Business Review, we're one of the top 50 franchises. So when you're Googling or researching franchising, you see us because we are top in class, which is awesome. Uh, if if you're not Googling, we also do marketing campaigns and we look in specific areas where we want to expand. So Eileen said earlier, one of the lessons learned was, okay, let's franchise, franchise everywhere. Now what we're doing is we're really strategic in areas we want to grow and areas that we see that there's opportunity. So of course, we are K through 12. So we have to look at the demo. Where are their kids? You know, if it's in an area where there aren't K through 12 kids, probably not a good idea to open a Huntington. And then also, where's their opportunity? Is there brand recognition? If there isn't brand recognition, then how do you create that brand recognition so individuals know you're there? There are also awesome uh, broker groups in terms of franchising that basically are matchmakers with these individuals who are looking to go into business for themselves, not by themselves, as we discussed earlier, and then uh, match them up with a, a concept that's right for their lifestyle, their budget, and their their goals. Up next, 
how marketing has completely changed over 42 years, and the value of having advisors. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneurs. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurspodcast.com. A common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an Entrepreneurista Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook and search Entrepreneurista's. We really wanted to create a community for entrepreneurs to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems, and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed, and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together. Her business has been in existence for over 40 years, which is truly an incredible accomplishment. And the world has changed drastically over that period of time, especially with new technology, cell phones, iPhones, social media. How has that impacted how children learn today? I think children learn the same way they learned 42 years ago. There's certain basics that students really need to do, and in our learning center part of the business, we see. Mainly students who are struggling in school. We do have that segment of students who want to get ahead. But one of the basics is you really need to learn how to read. And sometimes in school, children are not catching on to the way they're teaching reading. At Huntington, we have many different ways to teach reading. So if this system is in in the school system, and that's what we're learning, and the the child is a different. Type of learner, we find that out from our diagnostic approach, and we we set up a program specifically for the child. That being said, we do have programs today that children、um, do use at the center that are computer based. In addition to that, our whole learning system has definite technology in it because when we test the child, a program is developed based upon those test results. What came out of the test results? A program is developed. By the computer today, forty-two years ago, we didn't have computers at all, so everything was, you know, hand done. So today, in looking at that, it really is streamlined. Especially if you think about franchising, you get the test results, you put them in, out it comes. You don't need to be an educator. You don't need to have a specialization in reading or math or exam prep. All of our systems, our our programs. Are computerized that way to give you. Here's the prescription that you need to use with the child, and the same is true on exam prep. We, when we test the child in exam prep, we get an analysis of every single question that they have done on the test. So it's just amazing to look at how technology has affected our business and made it easier as far as developing programs for for students. And there's a lot of research coming out today. On cell phone use with children, computer learning with children, and some of the research that's coming out right now is really saying that hey, you know, they really need to learn、uh, paper and pencil. There's a lot of controversy starting right now on it. I hear、um, that they're not even teaching cursive in school anymore. Oh, they're not, <laughs> and it's very, 
That is very upsetting. Me too. How is anyone going to learn how to sign their name? They're not. Um, they're it's not. Be an emoji. Um, they're not. And that's. I, it's. It's very interesting that you brought that up. We do have certain parents who call us and ask us if we teach cursive writing, I because they it, yeah. they realize their child needs to know how to do this. Yeah. Because children today, also, if you if you look at, they cannot read script writing because they haven't learned it in school. And if you think about it, you know how many letters do they get from grandma today? You know, it's all done in email or text. So uh, it's going to become a lost art, but some parents are out there and and they are learning cursive writing. Well, I have a seven-month-old and she's going to be learning cursive one way or another. <laughs> she can come to Huntington. Maybe. I know we have grandchildren and they're going to learn how to, they're going to learn how to do uh, cursive writing. One of the key components, though, is multisensory. So with cursive, you're using a different part of your brain, which is essential. Uh, and the research, as Eileen said right now, the research out there, you know, it depends on what you read. You can always find the right answer. It's fake news, if you will. But screen time's a real thing. Being able to have tactile touch to understand the cognitive behavior of a child is tremendous. Uh, so with us, we're brick and mortar. A lot of our curricula is pen and paper. A lot of the copyright is, you know, not from this this decade, maybe not even the decade before, but it works. So as we're moving forward as a company, we do not change just for the sake of change. We're dealing with kids. We're dealing with the future of that child's education, which means they're not a guinea pig, which means if we are going to change something, if we are going to update something, we're not going to update it because it's a shiny new object and we think that's going to sell, quote unquote, or market. That's not what's right for the kid. At the end of the day, every single business solution or every single problem we solve, we look at what is our mission. Our mission is to give every student the best education possible. How do we ensure that the efficacy of the student's results are in line with that mission? So we have our whole research and development team that's continuously looking at a lot of new curricula pieces. A lot of it looks fun and it's engaging the kids, but are the results behind it? No, of course, there's longitudinal studies and you have to start somewhere, but that's where we're thinking, okay, just because something's shiny or new or a new trend, be it STEM or STEAM, does that help the kid? And one of the reasons why or the reason why we're in business 42 years later is because we get results. And when we do change, we change because it's in the best interest of the student. That said, there are really two components to technology, right? And this is in no order. But the first is really the efficiency of the administration of the business because we're business, right? We created a learning center operating system back in the day when the computers were clunky and gateway and Word or not Word. What was it? WordPress and all those archaic uh, types, but it worked. And so we have a legacy system. We have databases that go back decades and decades, which means we have so much data on kids, which is awesome. Uh, so as we move forward into the cloud and move all of our systems and processes, it's just becoming that much more efficient. And so that's on the administration, which helps in terms of a small business owner, because you want a system that first off is proven, but then isn't completely impossible to run. So we have that. And the other tech is with the kids, right? So for students, does this program make sense? 
Does this help enhance their program? Will this enhance the results? And those are the questions we're always asking ourselves. Um, there will be no magic pill, or not yet at least, that teaches you absolutely everything, which means you still need to learn how to read, as Eileen said. You still need to understand the facts, sequencing, the main idea, and all of that. You need to understand fractions and division. And how do you learn that? You come to Huntington. And Eileen, I know you shared when we first started this conversation this morning that you put an ad in the newspaper when you first started the business and people were interested, they came. And obviously, over the past 40 years, marketing has completely changed. I'm not sure if you still put ads in newspapers or are spending more time now, obviously, with Facebook and social media. But how has your marketing strategy evolved over the years? And would you say you're the type of person who was resistant to change or always open to new possibilities as as times have changed? I think when we started, you really didn't have a lot of means of, of advertising, okay, or marketing. Basically, you had newspapers. We certainly couldn't afford TV, okay? What did it cost 40 years ago for newspaper ads or TV? Do you remember? Well, we didn't use TV until like 1985, and that was that was a game changer when we used TV. It really was a game changer. The ads in the newspaper oh, were very expensive at the time. Uh, I mean, people don't realize how much things cost today right. as opposed to then. I'm going to say in in 1977, probably gas was like 49 cents a gallon. You know, when you when you think about it. So I'm going to, I would say probably thirty dollars an ad, maybe less. And we were in the we were in the regional newspapers and then the local newspapers. I will say that local newspapers today are still being read, and the reason they're being read is because you have this all of the local activities mm-hmm. that kids are in. Yep. Um, so you will have the the sports on the front page. You'll have what's happening in the community. The police beat is a real big one. So there there's things that people do read in the in the local papers, uh, but you have to be strategic in it. Going on TV was a game changer because now you're hitting a broader audience. Um, and um, we, we still are on TV across the country in our, ma- our major markets. But you also have an, another form is, of course, direct mail. Direct mail is, is, is very big also uh, because that's like a billboard coming into your home. And, of course, social media. You know, the, the Internet has changed uh, what we do. I mean, we have a whole group of people who just focus on that now. So it's it's not like, okay, the marketing department is just somebody who does direct mail or TV. No, you have specialists in each area. And I want to learn more about some of the mistakes you made along the way. You kind of alluded to some. What would you say was the biggest mistake you made over the last few decades? And what did you learn from it? I think I think the, the, the biggest one, as I said before, was, was not having advisors. One of the things that Anne has brought into the company is the fact that, look, there's a lot of people out there who have done this. Let's use them and to find out the pitfalls. And, they, and they've been able to come in and say, you know, example is the transition that we're going through now. It would be a real mistake if we didn't have advisors going through. This is a major transition moving from one generation to another. It's a major transition transitioning the business into franchising. Um, you know, we had in the New York metro area, a number of uh, company centers. And when you run company centers, company locations and franchise locations, you're really running two different businesses. And we made a strategic decision to not 
be a company-owned business. Okay, let's be a franchise or. And in doing that, we we brought in advisors. And, and I and I will say one of the great things that Anne has brought into the business. Let's get people who have done this before, and people have done this before. This is this is not something that hunting. This is a trend across franchising as a whole. I mean, if you look at any of the food chains um, that are out there, fast foods, so many of them are be, are are getting rid of their uh, company-owned units. So I think that's the biggest lesson, and it really has helped us a lot by bringing in uh, people to work with us on that transition, also the transition to the next generation. Do you have a specific date in mind of when you're going to take more of a step back from the business? I think we've taken we've taken more of a step back. We take more time off um, from the business. Um, however, as everybody knows today, you are always connected, which sometimes I just wish there was no connection. <laughs> you know, the days when you didn't have a phone, a cell phone was, was pretty nice. You could be in your car by yourself and you would have some private time. I could take your phone away from you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think it's, you know, it's a progression you know, we're Anne's developing the the next management team coming in, and as that as that team comes in place, you know, we take steps back. I think what the beautiful thing is, we have an opportunity to have our founders. Most companies do not have that. So when someone's like, "Well, when are they stepping back? When are they retiring?" I say, "It's it. We have them here. We can learn so much from them." That said, that's where roles and responsibilities um, are really important to define. And in, fr- in family businesses, there's the saying, you move up, not out. So uh, I think that they are moving more up in that advisory role. Uh, the short-term goal is to move Eileen out of the CEO spot. And I think we'll see that sooner than, than most people anticipate. And I think that over the past few years, it's been very tangible the changes. It's not just like, oh, well, Eileen and Ray are still running the show. No, it, it's, it's, we're, we're moving forward um, in terms of making sure that they can get to the next chapter of their lives and enjoy the fruits of their labor, which is really, really important. I think when I became president was a huge signal to the team in our main office and then across the country because people are already seeing the change in terms of a cultural change, in terms of actual personnel, systems, procedures. It's changing. What are some of the cultural changes? Well, we have jeans days sometimes. So it can be as simple as that, but I swear people love it and I do. Um, (laughs) And part of the culture, and we have had a great, I mean, there are some individuals who've been with the con- company for 20 plus years. The culture is, is good. It's how do we make it even that much better? And part of what I practice and preach is collaboration. I have and I continue to break down silos. And through that, it, there's been a lot of disruption, but very positive disruption. And and now we're seeing tremendous positive results across uh, the system, which is really awesome. So I think one of the main changes is more collaboration. I think on those changes also with the collaboration piece, we just won a very big training award from our training department, and our training department has really, really changed over the past couple of years. I mean, we do a lot of um, online training with our franchisees. We have a lot of webinars that our franchisees can get on to learn certain aspects of the business. We have what we call one-on-one calls where franchisees can sign up for calls 
And all of what we're always looking for is, you know, if we're training you in something, how is that going to affect a KPI in the business? So bringing back to business results. So when Ann talks about, you know, systems and procedures and culture, all of that together, you know, training is not a separate silo. It really works with operations to change numbers. Operations has needs. How can training fit those needs? How can marketing fix those needs? So it's everybody working together. It's all the wheels working together as opposed to all the wheels working separately. So now people are working um, and seeing what I do over here affects over here. So it's really good. What would you say you're most grateful for every day? What I'm I'm grateful for every day when I when I look well first of all I'm grateful every day when I get up and I say yes another day um, <laughs> and I and I think people miss that and I don't care how old you are every day is precious yeah. every day is precious you know you put on the news and you hear stuff on the news and you say wow you know what a tragedy but I also I'm amazed um, I'm a, I'm really amazed that. You know, back 42 years ago, we created an industry. There was no education industry. And if you look at all of the folks who have come behind us, I mean, we are really the leaders in in that whole group. And I I was given an award uh, a few years ago, Entrepreneur of the Year at the International Franchise Association. Congratulations. Thank you. And they called me up and said, you have this award. And I was like, really? And I, you know, so I I researched it and like (laughs) Bill Marriott got the award. Dave Thomas got the award. Now it's Eileen Huntington. I was like, wow, this is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, looking back and seeing that how many lives we have changed, we get phone calls from students, you know, who are in their 40s and say, wow, if it wasn't for you, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, I got a letter from a mother 30 years later saying, I have to tell you how you changed my child's life. I didn't know where he was going to wind up. And, you know, today, you know, at 45 years old, he just graduated from college. I never thought it would happen. Mm. And you're the reason why. 30 years later, you get a, you know, I brought my son to you back in 19, you know, 79. You're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was, those are the kinds of things where you say, wow. So I, I'm just thankful for everything that I have in my life. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for all the people that we have helped over the years and have been able to help. And what about you, Anne? What are you most grateful for? Today is a beautiful day. I'm grateful <laughs> for, for today. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for my health and my happiness and, and for the possibilities that are to come. I think that, as as Eileen said, it's, I think sometimes we take for granted waking up in the morning. And, and I think humanity is at a critical moment and I, I'm really, really grateful that we're all here, we're all present, we're grounded and, and we're impacting the future in a really positive way. Well, the two of you have clearly built this incredible business and Ray, we can't forget about Ray. <laughs> yes. And it's just been remarkable to hear your story and how you started this business over 40 years ago and all of the accomplishments and how you both are continuing to impact the future generation. And thank you so much for being here today. Where can everyone find you, follow you on social media? And I know if we have listeners who are interested in, you know, getting more information on becoming franchise owners or also using your services for their children, how can they find out more information? Well, first, thank you, Courtney and Stephanie 
Stephanie for bringing us on today. It's been it's been fun. It's always fun to to talk with my mom and and Eileen. Uh, <laughs> different hats. Uh, so if you're interested in learning more about Huntington, visit our website huntingtonhelps.com. If you're interested in franchising, it's huntingtonfranchise.com. Just remember Huntington Learning Center. You'll find us. If you are a parent with a student who uh, needs help, either enrichment help or for the SAT, ACT high school entrance exam, or you want to know where your student's at, call us at 1-800-CAN-LEARN or go on our website, as I said, Huntington Helps, and uh, we'll give you $100 off of the academic evaluation, which is a value of $195. So say that you heard us here and follow me on social media. I'm Ann Huntington on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. So find me and, and say hello and thank you for listening. And we'll be tagging you all over social as well, so everyone can definitely find you. Thank you again both so much for being here. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. Thanks for listening. Hey, entrepreneurs, it's Steph here. Do you want to experience what it's like to be part of our Entrepreneurs League community of founders? Now is your chance. New member open enrollment begins on June 10th, and so does our Experience Week. I really want you to have the opportunity to experience what it's like to be part of the most supportive community that will be here to support you at all stages of your business journey during our Experience Week. This will be a five-day virtual event series, and it starts on Monday, June 10th through Friday, June 14th. You're going to get access to live networking and learning events, business growth strategies, as well as office hours with Kim Corral, who is a CEO and serial entrepreneurista, as well as a prominent angel investor. You will also get access to a session on how to win grants with Kat Weaver and Katie Dunn, founders of Power to Pitch. Plus, our mentor, Carrie Kirpin, will be teaching a session all about how to build a profitable business that can sell for more money. And of course, I'll be hosting two info and networking sessions where you can really get an inside look at all of the exclusive benefits and resources that are offered only inside of our Entrepreneurs League community. Plus, you'll have the chance to meet and build relationships with current members. You can register today for Experience Week over at entrepreneurs.com forward slash experience week. That's entrepreneurista.com forward slash experience week to join us for a week of a free virtual events. I cannot wait to meet you and be part of your business journey.